0: Welcome to Iris Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything their passions, pursuits, and points of view. If you look up travel in the thesaurus, you'll find synonyms such as excursion, sightseeing, and Rick Steves. Okay, I made up the last one, but he should be in there. Rick Steves is a public TV host, author of dozens of guidebooks, and America's most respected authority on European travel. He's the author, along with Fred Plotkin, of Rick Steves. Italy for Food Lovers, published by Avalon Publishing, which guides travelers through the great sights, eats, drinks, desserts, and more in Italy, town by town, and for each course. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. For everything about Rick Steves, go to ricksteves.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And Rick, welcome back to the show. Ira, nice to be with you again. It's a pleasure. Your introduction in the book says, and I quote, this is a guide to Italian food, but it's also a book about the Italian people, their ingenuity, their traditions, and their evangelical zeal for quality. It's about the sensuality of Italy expressed through its food, wine, and culinary philosophy. It will lead you to the Italy that you can see, taste, smell, touch, and hear, where flavors, fragrances, scenery, art, music, and people are all sources of pleasure, known in Italy as Piacere, unquote sounds like you found your favorite
1: country. I love that. Piacere. And <laughs> piacere. The, a moment ago, you said it's pleasure to have you here, or pleasure. And uh, I don't know much Italian, but I do know when you shake hands, you say, Piacere. piacere. That, it's, it's a pleasure. Uh, but there's more <laughs> to pleasure than shaking hands. And uh, as you just read there, uh, Piacere is a sort of a philosophy of life. It's a sensuality. And uh, in Italy, you can be poetic and you can appreciate those little fine extras and just put yourself in a situation where you say life is good. And uh, I just really love to teach people to travel and to travel in a way where it's more experiential and more rewarding and and more broadening. Uh, And uh, food, especially in Italy, is a big part of that. So to have this new book, Italy for Food Lovers, for me, is so key to our mission because we're helping Americans reach out and embrace other cultures. And, uh, with a, and, and I always think the more understanding you bring to the travel experience, the more you'll get out of it. And that's certainly true when it comes to food in your travels and especially food in Italy.
0: This new book is a reincarnation of Italy for the Gourmet Traveler by Fred Plotkin. How did you meet Fred and how did this book come to be?
1: I believe I was interviewing Fred about his book, Italy for the Gourmet Traveler, years ago, and he's just a delightful man. He's very smart. He loves Italy like I do. Uh, He's very sophisticated. You know, he's an expert in opera and wine and cuisine, and he speaks the language, and he lives there a good part of the year, and otherwise he's in New York. And to be honest, his book, well, his book was the best book anywhere for Italian cuisine, but it was way too... Um, sophisticated for, for my, my <laughs> and I wanted to and I know he's a down to earth guy but he's just so smart he's way up there in the clouds right. and I, we can get together here and we'll make this book which is a handbook on and every man's guide to Italian food just like my TV shows or my guidebooks would be because I'm all about accessibility right. I don't want people to have to speak the language and have a lot of money and experience and sophisticated understanding of, of wine in order to enjoy a nice glass of wine at an Enoteca in Siena um, uh, so with this book, we've got the basic information, and I always say a good guidebook, whether it's a food book like this or a regular guidebook like my 50 other guidebooks, it's a $25 tool for a $3,000 experience. If it's any good, it'll pay for itself on your first meal or from on the shuttle in from the airport and so on. Was he happy to
0: collaborate with you on this project? I assume so, since otherwise he wouldn't have oh, yeah.
1: done it. He's so much fun. We've had a, a lot of fun. We've done several talks together. We we did an hour on a... If people go to my website at ricksteves.com, there's a... We just had our 100th episode of something we've done through COVID called Monday Night Travel. And every Monday we get together and we just have a travel party and there's a different theme. <laughs> and we, drink, can we eat, And we talk about this or that slice of Europe. And we got together with Fred and had a Italy for Food Lovers lovers Night. And it was so much fun. And I guess my point is anybody can go to ricksteves.com and write it on the homepage. You see Monday Night Travel. Click through there. And you can actually, they're all all banked in an archive of these shows. So you could watch any of the 100 shows. But uh, one of them is specifically what we're talking about now. But with Fred and spending a whole hour talking about, uh, well, eating our way through Italy, basically. (laughs) I I think last time I asked you how you retain your passion for travel, and, and you pretty much exude
0: passion for travel. But I have a better question for you, which is, how do you retain the energy for travel? How do you maintain it, and how do you expend it? Because you've been doing this a long time, and you are always excited when you travel, when you write, when you're on the air. Where does that energy come from?
1: Well, if I didn't honestly love it, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I think I've only done two things in my life to, as, a, as a profession, teach piano and teach travel. And I, I love teaching piano. I would have done that all my life. And uh, even more, I love teaching travel. Um, it's a real blessing to find your niche because that when you do it, working hard is just it's just very gratifying. And I'm a lucky guy that I get a lot of direct feedback from people. I was just in L.A. last week at the travel show and got to meet all sorts of people who I was a big part of their trips. And they'd come up and they'd go, oh, thank you for Sicily. <laughs> thank you for Ireland, as if I made Ireland, you know. Well, I wrote a book about it, and they used the book as a handbook for visiting that. And for me, that's just a lot of fun. And, and I've got a, a mission. We kind of joke, but it's kind of serious with my 100 workmates here at Rick Steves Europe in Seattle. Our mission is to equip and inspire Americans to venture beyond Orlando. Uh, you know we need to get out there and see the rest of the world, the of the world we're just four percent of this planet and we got to get out there and there's too so many americans without passports that want to build walls when we really got to get a passport and build bridges if we want to be safe um and happy so that's part of our mission and and uh, for me italy is our europe is the waiting pool for world exploration and in europe italy is my favorite country and uh this has been just a delightful uh, collaboration with Fred Plotkin to write this book, and already lots of people are grabbing this and uh, and, and then traveling to Italy with a with a better understanding of the opportunities to uh, to be a cultural chameleon. You know, I I I'm like I love to be a cultural chameleon. When I cross a border, I change suddenly. <laughs> I'm looking for a full-bodied glass of red wine. I'm not looking for a full-bodied glass of red wine in Germany, but when I cross the Alps and get to Italy, hey. Uh, Vino Rosso Corpo. Uh,
0: <laughs> do, do you get recognized over there by now? I would think after all these decades.
1: Oh, I get I, you know in certain places I get recognized a lot, and in other places I don't get recognized at all. <laughs> if I go to a NASCAR race, nobody would know who I am.
0: <laughs> no, if that, I, if that's I to, true.
1: <laughs> if I go to a, something for travelers, uh, everybody knows me. So it's a it's a fun a fun world to be in, and um, you know for me it's just really fun to to have this extended family of travelers from uh, 30 years of making TV shows on public television and so on. So we all feel like family. And when people have one of my guidebooks, I can tell people with my guidebooks just from the distance. <laughs> they, they, they present themselves in Europe. We're just all like wide-eyed children uh, to <laughs> melt into the culture and be temporary locals and have a fun time. I want to go a little bit more into the book,
0: but based on what you just said, how do you keep your feet on the ground? You've been so successful and you're so well known, and you've produced so much material, both video and books. How do you stay grounded? You just seem to be a very down-to-earth guy.
1: You know, part of it might be to measure your profit, not in dollars, but in how many people's trips do you impact. For me, that's my profit, is helping somebody have a better trip. And with this book, Thousands of people are going to have a better time eating in Italy. That's for me profitable. I don't know if, if I'll make any money on this after all the money we put into producing it, but I'll be I'll be okay. Uh, I just have fun talking about it, and you know it's full of uh, full colored photographs, and just paging through it makes me hungry. Uh, <laughs> I know. I was going
0: through it the other day, and I was starving. So you you, you break it down by region, don't you?
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. In Italy, there's uh, we have fifty states. Italy has twenty regions. And when I travel from Washington state to Oregon state, I don't have a radical change in cuisine, but in Italy, you know, Italians don't eat Italian. Uh, we think of eating Italian, but Italians eat, uh, regionally. So there, this is a Tuscan restaurant. This is a Sicilian restaurant. This is a restaurant from Veneto. And that would have a little bit of a different focus shaped by the ingredients that are best in that area and the heritage and the history, the, the terroir, so um, for us as travelers, it's good to know that when you're in Umbria, this is wild boar country, and you're going to have game uh, worked into the cuisine, whether right. it's on the pasta or or the secondi. And then you're going to want a, a wine that that matches that heavy game. So you're probably a, a full bodied wine. Uh, when you go to Sicily, you're going to have uh, that um, sort of Arab influence from all of the cultural uh, waves that have come across from the Middle East and North Africa. And uh, you're going to have, in Tuscany, they celebrate their red meat. Uh, In Venice, they celebrate their seafood. In Naples, they celebrate their pizza. In uh, Campania, the area south of Naples, they've got all the water buffaloes there. So they got wonderful mozzarella cheese. And because of the volcanic soil near Vesuvius, they just had their tomatoes are so tasty, and,
0: uh, you know. Like you're getting me I'm, hungry, Rick. You're getting me hungry.
1: I, I know. If, if you if you bite into a tomato here, oh, I know. It's cardboard. It's not much. It's like no. cardboard, right? And it looks good, maybe. But if you bite into a tomato in Greece or in Italy, you go, "Wow, I didn't know this existed." It <laughs> have some nice olive oil on it, and and uh, and uh, some uh, mozzarella bufala. Oh, God. <laughs> and then a glass of wine that, that is properly matched. You know, um, Ira, in in Italy they got a word called abbinamento. Abbinamento is matching, uh, matching flavors and matching textures, and that's a very important word to know um, because the food is artfully matched, and then with the wine. And I just I just can't get enough of that. You said about the regions being so different. Is there a
0: parochial version? from each region. What I mean by that is, does Region A not want to try the foods of Region B or Region C? Are they all within their own region and they don't want to venture out? Just as you mentioned earlier, Americans don't want to go past Orlando. Are regions in Italy reluctant to go into other regions and try their
1: cuisine? Oh, no, I've never found that. They, they, they're very enthusiastic about the, the food culture. And they know it. They talk about it. You know that's what's interesting. If you see two Italians at a restaurant, they're talking about the food. They're talking about the fava beans. Well, the fava beans are, are were ripe early this year. What's going on? We never had fava beans before Easter. Now we do, and they're delicious. You know, and uh, this guy's got his own garden where they get the 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 herbs, and and oh yeah, he gets his prosciutto from this farm where they've got the they feed their pigs this and. You know stuff that's beyond me, but uh, I'm not a cook, but I love to hear Italians enthuse about about their food. Um do you think uh, though
0: that it's uh, they instead of speaking about sex and money, that's it. It's food over there.
1: you know it is to a yeah. certain uh, a lot. I mean, there's lots of talk about sex. I don't know how much they talk about money, but they but the food is is they're gossiping about the food uh, they're gossiping because if somebody does it a little different. That might be great, or it might be a sacrilege. But they'll generally bring up mama. They'll you all hear people mama. My mother used to do it this way, and you know you can have great cooking. And casalinga is a, a word you see a lot, which is um, home cooking in a restaurant, home style cooking. And uh, mama is the inspiration for so many chefs in Italy. And uh, I just I just love that. Uh, but there's you know there's different there's different joys. Uh, a lot of people you know you wouldn't know you. For dessert, you have the option of having biscotti and vinsanto. Vinsanto is the sweet dessert wine. And the biscotti are those little cookies, almond cookies that oh, you yes. can dunk in wine. Yes, For me, that's kind of elemental. It's not a fancy tiramisu or something like that. It's just a cookie and a sweet wine, and you dunk it. And to me, it's a ritual. And I just love that. A cheese course is a ritual for me. Uh, a bruschetta is a beautiful ritual for me. Uh, and... Uh, if you, the more you know about any of your sightseeing, the more you're going to enjoy it. Whether it's art, whether it's history, architecture, uh, you know, nature, cooking, you name it. Uh, language, the more you bring to your sightseeing, the more you'll get out of it.
0: You said in your book, I'm going to quote here again, savoring Italian cuisine in Italy is sightseeing for your palate, which is what you've been talking about, unquote. So oh, that's yeah. what you've been talking about. It really is a food experience first before almost
1: anything else. Well, there's, you know, you can go to a fine Italian restaurant here in the United States and it's great Italian food, but it's missing two things. It doesn't have the ingredients, which gives it a disadvantage. And it doesn't have the Italian atmosphere. You you can't create the patina of age in an old Italian Osteria or Trattoria with the people who are lifelong servers in that restaurant and with a clientele that is all the neighborhood and that's where he sits and that's where she sits yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I just there's something about that i think you know i, I they say at the table one does not age atovalo non si invecchia and they create this atmosphere where you just want to sit at that table and enjoy it Uh, And you can't recreate that here. So I'm a little bit spoiled after a lot of eating in Italy (laughs) when I come back to the United States because you just you just can't quite
0: do it. Yep, you can't replicate it. Are you optimistic? Because I've noticed that in the United States, a lot of cuisine has I'll call it flattened out. And what I mean by that is that they're homogenized. Maybe that's a better term. Have you seen any? Of that trend in Italy, or is it pretty much the way it's always been for decades and centuries?
1: Yeah, you know, I have not seen that. In Europe, they don't, they've created an economic environment where the chains don't have this um, killer advantage. In the United States, it's hard to compete with the chain uh, because they have such economy of scale. Right. And they can pretty much dictate to us what we're going to eat and when because that's what everybody serves. And it's the best price, you know, because they have this giant economy of scale. Uh, For some reason in Italy, it's not better for business in a conventional sense, but it's much better for the culture to have an environment where each uh, small businesses can thrive. And I find that the small businesses really are strong in Italy. I I know that's the case in France also in the United States, you know, you might have just a few people that really make beer or make wine. And in in France, because of the environment created by the government, which is less uh, free market Uh, You have small businesses can prosper and be strong. And that's good for variety. And uh, Europeans uh, consume as if they believe they can shape the future by how they consume. And they like to patronize the one-offs. Nice. I I find in Europe that uh, the mom and pops are great. My big fear, Ira, after going back to Europe after COVID to update my guidebooks, I spent two months last year updating my books, as did my whole staff. It was all hands on deck to get our guidebooks up to date and truly post-COVID. My big fear was that the little mom and pops, the creative adventures, the the labors of love, all those little you know, guest houses and bed and breakfasts and small restaurants, they wouldn't survive two years of COVID. And that's, that was what, that's what makes my guidebooks. And my tour program sparkle is to find all this people to people travel with small businesses right. and curious travelers from the other side of the world. And thankful I, I was worried that I was going to be raking away the corpses of all sorts of favorite little businesses that were now dead. But I, I found that by and large, they survived COVID. And now they're strong. They're as strong as ever. And they're just eager to get back in the saddle. And 2023 promises to be a busy year for them. So well,
0: Your book's going to obviously bring people over there now.
1: Oh, yeah. And the, the energy is in the streets. I mean, people were saying, oh, that's the end of getting your cheeks kissed in Paris. And that's the end of strolling on the <laughs> passeggiata in uh, Siena. And I'll tell you, you're going to get your cheeks kissed with gusto in Paris. <laughs> you're going to have those piazzas in Rome, and everybody's going to be out licking their gelato. It's just I'm just very thankful for that because I'm just so enthusiastic about the value of traveling. And I found my niche. I got a hundred workmates here in Seattle, and I've got collaborators like Fred Plotkin and a great publisher and a good relationship with public television. So it all works together, and um, we're just celebrating our love of travel and the importance of Americans to travel in a way where they come home with the most beautiful souvenir, and that's a broader perspective. Do you think that the Stanley Tucci's series, Searching for Italy, helped
0: not only travel to Italy, but also interest in your books, so many books about travel?
1: Um, great series. Uh, he's a fun guy, and he knows his stuff, um, and um, it just celebrates the the joy of getting out. He is a little bit he's got an advantage because he's sort of an old boy there. He speaks, <laughs> yes, language. He speaks the language and everybody seems to know him. So <laughs> my problem with that is we don't speak the language and we don't know everybody. There. Uh, but he's able with his charming sort of uh, presence to let us know the the humanity of all these beautiful traditions and businesses in Italy and step in there. Our challenge is without the connections and without the language skills to go there and have the same kind of fun. And and I, I know that the best travelers are the ones who are extroverts or at least who can become extroverts in their travels. And really the mark of a good traveler is how many people do you meet? And I'm not how many people I'm not talking about how many people who are paid to meet you with the, you know, cliches on stage, but how many real friends do you make? How many people do you share a drink with? And, um, you know, with our, with our Italy for Food Lovers book, you know, just what kind of, um, cocktail you might want to buy the students on the piazza <laughs> if you go to a university town. And I love that. I mean, it's the best 10 books I, $10 I could ever spend would be to find two students on a square as the sun's going down in, in some town in Italy that has a university and buy them a drink. I have a couple of cocktails and they've got a friend from the united states and they've got all sorts of questions to ask me and i've got all co- sorts of questions to ask them they're young they're smart uh, they're curious they speak english it's a beautiful connection yes. that's good travel and it does good for our country as well because they say oh not an ugly american exactly we are ambassadors for our country and you know when we travel far away they get to know us and we get to know them and it makes the world a better place I want to get back to the book with you and Fred working on it. How
0: did you work out the division of labor, or was it did it happen organically, or did you say, you know, I'm going to cover this and Fred, you cover that? How yeah. did that work? Well,
1: my goal was to take Fred's older book, Italy for the Gourmet Traveler, and just use that as the core. That's there's so much wisdom in that book. It had everything we need. It had more than what we needed to know, and then we had to cull it down, and then we had to get rid of all of the needless fanciness and make it just <laughs> really straight. And uh, Fed was very cool with this. And he- I
0: like that term, needless
1: fanciness. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, I'm just so straight in my approach. I liked dorm food. I went back to the dorm for years after I graduated from college just to have a good dorm lunch. <laughs> and uh, um, I'm just a Typical American traveler, basically, and I uh, wish we all were as sophisticated as Fred, but we're not. But what I've got a good knack for doing is uh, explaining things in a way that is not overwhelming to people and making it accessible. Right. So you know, we have a lot of information that is just survival for the American in Italy for their first time who doesn't speak the language and who's on a budget and who doesn't have friends, and all that kind of thing over there, and Fred wrote the book for somebody who's got it all, and right. the, the language and the sophistication, and we merged that together, and um, it was it was a joy. We had no, um, there was no um, problem at all, because Fred believes in the mission of this book, and we do, and we knew how to bring it to the level of our travelers. In other of words, talk. you're
0: making it not only accessible, but not intimidating, which I think is the important Intim- thing.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And that's what I do for a living, is I make high culture less intimidating. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's
0: good. That could be a bumper sticker. Making. Yeah, well,
1: I did that with piano. I was a piano teacher. For, that's the only other job I've ever had. And uh, and um, Do you realize, Eric,
0: Rick, though, if you had you had practiced on the trumpet, you could travel and take the trumpet with you, but because you picked a piano, you can't exactly travel to all these countries with a piano.
1: Very could, true, you, very true. But the
0: two. So, but I, <laughs>
1: what, I did, what I do have an ability to do is to make classical music accessible to young students, which I did as right. a piano teacher. And with we just finished a six hour art series for public television, a, a thing I've been working on for many years. Uh, which is the whole story of Europe's art in six hours. And, you know, it's tough to shrink Europe, the story of Europe's art into six hours, but we did it. And it's, it's a beautiful introduction to that culture, just like Italy for food lovers is a wonderful... Yes, that's uh, why
0: you were on my show the last time talking about that. What, right. I, when was the first time you realized this is what you wanted to do, besides the piano and teaching? With that? You, and you still teach, you teach travel. Yep. So, when was the, would you remember when it was that you said, you know what, I'm going to make this a full time, I'm not even going to say occupation or profession, a full time right. joy. When did you decide to do that? What was the moment that the light bulb went on?
1: Well, when I started finding places that I call back doors, these sort of hidden gems in Europe, everybody's crowding in to see the Tower of London. That's great. Everybody's going to Madame Tussaud's Wax Gallery. That's fine. Everybody's going to the Leaning Tower. That's fine. And Eiffel Tower. But I found these other offbeat places that could complement all that, you know, obvious stuff. And I remember I found a a, a Stonehenge-type circle just marooned in the middle of a, of a high moorlands, kind of a marsh in the middle of nowhere. And there's just, you know, wild sheep around and wind and moss and a long blustery hike to get there. And it was such a magical experience. And I thought people need to know about this. I just thought, and I I, I wrote it up and I thought, I've got to find these places and I've got to share them. So I do that. And uh, to this day, I'm still finding new places and sharing them. And then also realizing that people want to see the obvious things, but we can do it in a smart way that gets us around the crowds and that gets us in a mindset where we can bring some ability to appreciate that with us, and we'll get more out of the experience. That's why I was so excited about doing the Italy for Food Lovers book, is because everybody's going to go to Italy. It's the number one destination for our travelers. And everybody
0: eats, so it works everybody out
1: Everybody eats. <laughs> but, but not everybody knows what to order in, in different cities. Sure. And, the food, the, the coffee culture, you know, is just amazing. The wine culture, the, the the pasta, the pizza, everything. We know it's great. We just don't know how to get past the surface. And uh, with this book, um, people will know what to order after lunch when they go into a coffee shop. It's just now a beautiful that, That's food. a great way
0: to do it. What was the most surprising thing you found out when the two of you collaborated on this book? Whether food or a region you know, this, particularly? This, this, or? Whole,
1: this whole idea about Fred makes a big deal about Garibaldi. Yes. Because Garibaldi united Italy. And then when they united Italy, they realized we've got to create Italians now, you know, cuz the <laughs> regions were, were strong. Right. And um, I knew the regions were strong and I knew about Campanile. I love that. You know, when when after World War II when Hitler Hitler had stolen the bells from most of the bell towers, and they took them, you know, uh, up to, uh, they took them away. And the thing that people wanted after the war was to get their bell back, not just to get a bell back in the tower, but they wanted their bell. It was really important. So I knew the the power of campanilismo, but I didn't know exactly how it translated into cuisine and food culture. And I'm just as passionate about Italian culture as Fred, as Fred. But, you know, I've gone at it through history and architecture and art and galleries and museums. And Fred goes at it through the hearth and the kitchen. And uh, I just love uh, learning about Italian culture. You know, the food of Sardinia, that's the island out there by Corsica in in the middle of the Mediterranean. It's Italian. But until the 20th century, they did nothing on the coast because of malaria and because of pirates before that. So Sardinia, even though it's an island, it was all about sheep and and uh, r- rustic food on the interior. And then slowly they got down to the coastline. And in the 20th century, they started back, uh, splicing in seafood. Uh, but to think that for centuries on the island of Sardinia, it was all about pecorino, you know, sheep cheese. And it was all about uh, Arabic influence because the Arabs would sweep through there and you'd have all the honey and the almonds and the pistachios. That's uh That's fascinating stuff to me, and that the wine is then grown in a way rough and heavy to fit the rough and heavy food. Uh, That's Sardinian cuisine. And uh, you can learn about that, and then when you go to Sardinia, you realize, oh, why do we have this honey? It it feels a little bit like North Africa. Well, come here 300 years ago, you'd (laughs) be uh, be, uh, being rampaged by North African pirates, and they would bring their food. Before I
0: let you go, you have a theory of travel as an intensified living which I think is a great description of travel. You've certainly have lived it. Do you have any uh, last pieces of advice for people? Once they go through your book, should they drop everything and immediately travel to Italy?
1: Not necessarily. I mean, you should travel where your travel dreams are taking you. People ask me, where should I go this year? What's trendy? Well, you should go where your travel dreams are taking you. If you've got Italian heritage, go there. If you love whiskey and you wanted to learn more about Scotland, go there. If you're interested in Vikings, go to Norway. If you're interested in Art Nouveau, you might want to go to Barcelona. You know, there's plenty of um, themes that you can uh, incorporate into your travel planning. Uh, the, the most important thing is to realize you won't exhaust Europe but what it has to offer on one trip so don't try be thankful you can't get to it all i'm traveling i'm i've spent 100 days in europe every year for the last 40 years and i am still finding new whole dimensions of travel That I never did. It never even occurred to me that this was a thing, you know, long distance, venerable hikes with fancy 19th century mountain hotels, two hours hike from the nearest road and lift that people go into. And then they, they, after a long day of hiking, they have this alpine rustic luxury with great food. I've just for the last two years, we've done extended hikes up in the high country of the Alps enjoying great cuisine. Uh, That's the kind of that's just one dimension of Europe that maybe people haven't thought of. My point is not to do that, but to remember that there are so many dimensions of travel and enjoying different cultures. And for me, Europe is the springboard for world exploration. And my, my mission in life with my 100 workmates at Rick Steves Europe is to help Americans, you know, venture over there and have a, a smooth and economic experience. That, that's the thing, it's experiences that we want. We don't have a bucket list of famous sites to see. We want to have experiences. and We want to come home with the greatest souvenir, and that's a broader perspective. So that's what we're all about. And if, if people are curious, they can, they can learn more about that at, at our website at ricksteves.com. But uh, I just love to collect this information. All my lectures, all of our uh, TV shows, uh, so much information is there for absolutely free for people to learn so they can put their travel dreams in the smooth and, uh, and, and affordable reality.
0: Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Rick Steves, author, along with Fred Plotkin of the new book, Rick Steves, Italy for Food Lovers. It's published by Avalon Publishing, which guides travelers through the great sites, eats, drinks, desserts, and more in Italy, town by town. And for each course, the book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. For everything about Rick Steves, as he mentioned, go to ricksteves.com and you can follow him on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And Rick, thanks for being on the show. Ira, you're great. Thank you so much and bon appetito. Bon appetito. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.